Uh, I've just recently become a priest. I was ordained back in 2015. I was a Baptist boy before that, and you're going to notice that my preaching has not yet converted to Anglicanism, but that's okay. Uh, but one thing I'm excited about, we were talking about this in the Christian formation class afterward, and that was great to hear uh, just different people from the parish and their love uh, for the word and just a great time, uh, is trying to bring together and emphasize both. And I'm excited that you have this vision, uh, Father Cameron, to emphasize both word and sacrament. It's not an either or, uh, that a life in Christ is truly a life in the scriptures, And Hebrews 4.12 says, which we just heard moments ago, that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. God has spoken through prophets and angels and through the created order. And in these last days, as the writer of Hebrews puts it, God has spoken through his son, Jesus Christ. And God still speaks. The Word of God is now spoken to us by the Word Himself, capital W, Word that is. The Word is living and active, and the Word made flesh. The Word crucified is the Word risen, the Word ascended, alive and active, reigning at God's right hand as the head of the church and the ruler of the cosmos. It is that Word... It is that God who still speaks. Think about that. That God speaks. It's like a Psalm 8 moment for me when I think about that. What is man, O God, that you are mindful of him? That God would deign to speak to us at all is beyond comprehension. God speaks. In fact, he just spoke to us. You see, the reading of the gospel in the Holy Eucharist is an incarnational moment. It's an Emmanuel moment. As the procession descends into the nave, we are reminded and we experience afresh that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Our Lord, in the mysterious gift of the liturgy, stands in our midst and speaks. Which is why we address him directly. The response to the announcement of the gospel, it's not a sort of nostalgic response for a sage of a bygone era. Bygone era, that is. The gospel of the Lord Jesus sure did have a way with words. No, that's not what we say. We say glory to you, Lord Christ. Praise to you, Lord Christ, because our Lord stands in our midst. And so scripture, which is comprised of the words of Christ, whether immediately or immediately, scripture, which is, as we affirm in the liturgy, the word of the Lord is not just what God said, as great as that is, but what God says. The Word of God is not dead and dormant. The Word of God is alive and active. It's eternal and irrevocable. Now let me take a step back so that we don't plunge into 
hermeneutical chaos. Hermeneutics being the science and art of interpretation of biblical proclamation. That was a very Baptist sentence right there. I told you my tongue is not converted yet. We don't want to fall into self-centered readings of Scripture. What I mean is when we hear the Word of God, our first thought should not be, well, what does this have to do with me? Or how is this going to help me have a better day? The Bible is for us, yes, but it's not about us. It's about Jesus Christ. So not everything in scripture is directly applicable to your life, especially in like a fortune cookie sort of way. However, all of it, as St. Paul writes to Timothy, is profitable. So yes, when we hear scripture, when we read scripture, we have to be careful of context. We don't read scripture as individuals, but as the church with the church ancient. Yes, we need to be aware of the original audience to whom Christ spoke. For example, when Christ told Peter that he was the rock upon which the church would be built, he was talking to and about Peter. He wasn't talking about me or saying that every dude named Peter is now the rock. On the other hand, we have to be careful to remember that Christ not only spoke 2,000 years ago, but that he speaks Today, Otherwise, we might find ourselves engaging in a hermeneutic of abrogation, relegating the word to the past, especially those words which are difficult or in contradiction to contemporary values. We don't hear the word, brothers and sisters, in order to evade it. We hear it in order to obey it. Today's gospel is hard. Were you listening to it? In fact, apart from God's grace, today's gospel is impossible to receive. And we can't breathe a sigh of relief and say, I'm so glad Jesus told that guy to sell all his stuff and follow him. Me? Nah, man. I'm just going to, you know, as we say in the South, I'm going to get all I can can all I get and sit on the can, you know? I'm going to acquire. If you've never heard that before, it'll make sense about 2.30. St. Anthony of Egypt, he lived in the 3rd and 4th centuries. He was the greatest of a group of people called the Desert Fathers. He's often called the father of monasticism. He greatly influenced, well, many people, but in particular, Athanasius, the hero of the Council of Nicaea. He also ended up greatly influencing St. Benedict, who in turn is indispensable to the spirituality of our communion. Well, Anthony was in church one day. He was about 18 years old, and he heard the gospel. In fact, he heard the very same words of Christ which we heard moments ago. Go and sell what you own and give the money to the poor, then come and follow me. Anthony realized, as Henry Nouwen puts it in his book on the Desert Fathers, quote, that these words were meant for him personally. Anthony heard 
his Lord speak. And by the Spirit, his heart was pierced. And he responded by living a life wholly dedicated to the glory of God the Father. The book of Hebrews, it emphasizes this continuity of God's word and work in the past with its present call to follow Christ. Now is the doubt, now is the day of salvation, he writes. And the writer of Hebrews on more than one occasion brings to the reader's attention Psalm 95, the Venite, said morning by morning in the daily office, Oh, that today you would hearken to his voice. There is an urgency and an expectation of response in the book of Hebrews and in all of Scripture that we will respond to our Lord who has spoken and is speaking in these last days. Hebrews four twelve through 13 is known as an inclusio. That means it begins and it ends with the same word. And that word is word in Greek, Logos. One commentator writes this. The passage ends as it began, with Logos. But here it is not God's word, but ours. Hence the translation account. It is as though the writer were a liturgist who concludes the reading of the scripture with, this is the word of God, with expectation that the readers will respond Not with Amen, but with their lives. Our Lord is in our midst, and He is speaking. Not just to some young man in Israel who lived 2,000 years ago, but He speaks to all the world. He speaks to His church, and He is issuing to us today a clarion call to radical discipleship. He bids us come and die. So as Christians, this means living out our our baptismal identity as dead men and dead women. Sounds strange, right? But But those who have died to sin. We are those who have died to sin. We are those who have died to the world, died to self, and are alive to Christ and therefore citizens of the kingdom of heaven. This is taught throughout the New Testament. Romans 6, when Paul is expounding uh, the mystery of God's grace, he says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means, how can we who have died to sin live in it any longer? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? And in Colossians, he writes, set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. And finally, in Galatians 2.20, Paul writes, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me and the life that I now live. I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. These are piercing words. 
in Hebrews in particular, when we hear that the word of God is living and active, that it's sharper than any two-edged sword, this is in the context of an epistle that is filled with warning. A warning to not neglect so great a salvation. A warning of judgment. Hebrews 4.13 And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. This is reminiscent of the collect of the collect for purity. I think one of the scariest prayers that we pray, Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. But both the collect and Hebrews 4 are not meant to bring us to despair, but to life abundant. Because words of warning are words of love. God warns us of destruction precisely because he wants us to avoid it. So if we submit to the prodding and piercing of the word, and if we lay bare before the eternal logos of God in a spirit of humility and repentance, we are not destroyed, but rather saved and transformed. For God's goal is not retribution, but redemption. That's why we have the second half of the collect. Cleanse our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. And we have to keep reading that text of Hebrews. The living word, Jesus Christ, we learn, is our advocate. He's our great high priest who invites, he implores us to what? To quote, draw near to the throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So how shall we respond? Like the ungodly in the book of Amos, who were described as those who, quote, abhor the one who speaks the truth. They were people that hated the truth. Because sometimes hearing the truth hurts. It pierces. Shall we respond like them or like Anthony? What is the account that we shall give? What is our word of response to the living word? I would submit this morning that our word is found in his word. Come, let us bow down and kneel before the Lord our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Oh, that today we would hearken to his voice. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.